This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the middle of the week, the Wednesday edition of Talkback, February 28th. It's not even the last day of the month. Yeah. Uh, welcome, everybody. Good to have you along this morning. Uh, Talk Back This Morning is brought to you by Y West Storage. Out at the Y, of course, 7099 Two Smokes Way. If you want to find out if they have a storage unit for you, here's the number, 406-510-0590. Y West, making room for you. Phillips Janitorial, of course, we're offering residential and commercial cleaning, your home and your business. Uh, give them a call, 406-260-6617. They'll tackle it big or small. Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts, located at Palmer and West Broadway. Doesn't matter how inclement the weather might be, uh, your rig will start every time with help from Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts, uh, located at Palmer and West Broadway. Also brought to you by Harrington Surgical Supply, where the mission has always remained the same, to restore confidence and comfort into your daily life. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Okay, welcome aboard, everybody. Good to have you along on this Wednesday edition. Nick Christensen is right over there, already taking phone calls. Cool. For our resident CPA, uh, Walt Kiro, joining us this morning from Kiro Byington and Associates. How are you, sir? Oh, the resident CPA is doing well. Yes, and you and I already had an appointment this month. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and you are already been taken care of. Oh, good. <laughs> I, I, I noticed uh, I didn't see the flag at half staff, so I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping everything's going to be okay. Uh, now, we already have a, 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 Nick, we already have a caller on the line? Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Who, who do we have? This is uh, Eric. Eric, good morning. You're on Talkback with Walt Kiro. Please go ahead, sir. Hi, Eric. I have a question. Okay. Um, I, I've had a sole proprietorship for the last 15, 17 years. Yeah. Last year, I had zero revenue. Yeah. Um, so do I need to file for that sole proprietorship uh, since I have zero revenue, zero expenses? Well, no, you don't have to uh, because uh, the the functionality of filing a tax return, since it's a pro- sole proprietorship, it's part of your personal uh, tax return, your 1040. And so uh, if this has no income, you don't need to include it. However, that being said, if you have carryover expenses that you paid in 2023, even though you had no income, uh, I, I most normally uh, will deduct those. And so you file the Schedule C without any revenue and you'll have a loss. Now, is that a problem? Okay. It could be, but I doubt it. If uh, uh, are you, is the business still, I guess, uh, available or is it dormant? It, it it is. I just I got a job in North Dakota, and I have not been doing anything with the with the sole proprietorship side of my life. Sure, um, because well, you can ignore I don't have it. To when I have time off. You can ignore it. There's nothing in the tax law that requires you to claim deductions. Isn't that a dandy? But most people do because right. of the economic benefits that, you know, are, are result okay, from. So that's not like an audit. That's not like an audit signal. If you like, hey, I've got this business, I've got these expenses, but I had zero revenue to offset any of the expenses. 
it, 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 in this case, I mean, I just, I'll play. I'll just let's just pretend that I'm your uh, tax preparer and representative, and the IRS audits you on this Schedule C. I would just tell him, "Hey, these are leftover expenses. He quit uh, uh, act, running this business as an active trader business because he's got a, a, a different line of work." And so, uh, but those are carryover expenses that you didn't anticipate having, but you can deduct them. Now, you couldn't use that as an excuse for years two, three, and four, but for the first year, you could. Right. And so, but if I, let's say, for some reason, I do decide to, to have some work this year, I pick up a couple of jobs while I'm home and I generate revenue, is the not reporting it for last year and then start reporting it again, is that going to be a problem? Are they going to? Nope. Nope. Okay. That's not a problem. I just want to make sure that it stays. I just want to make sure it stays available. Yeah. In case something comes up. I mean, oil field tends to be a boom and bust. So if it busts. <laughs> right. Well, you also, you also, uh, if you have a DBA, you want to keep that going with the secretary of state. You know, DBA doing business. So as. Be, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the only um, time you're going to get in trouble by claiming name, uh, uh, Eric. The only time you're going to get in trouble by uh, having losses from a from a sole proprietorship is year in and year out. You have them. Eventually, that becomes a huge right. target. Okay, I know that you're supposed to make a profit occasionally. I <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we're probably not talking about a lot of money here. From what I no, uh, we're we're not. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, at this point, it's like I said, it's zero at this point. So I might have a couple of couple of things that I did in 2023 that that I could expense tax mm-hmm. document, you know, tax, tax preparation or something like that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. OK. Well, OK. I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. Very much, good sir. luck. Good luck, Eric. Thanks for the call. We're, we're up against a break, by the way. And this is what this show is all about. Eric is a perfect example of uh Somebody asking questions of Walt Carroll. He's been in the uh, tax preparation business for over 50 years. Yeah. And so uh, if you have questions, uh, just give us a call, 721-1290, because tis the season, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I made an appointment with Walt. already got my taxes done. So you probably have noticed the, a little bit lighter, little bit lighter step. <laughs> so anyway, we're, we're, we're going to come right back. If you have a question or comment for Walt, that's why he's here until 10 o'clock this morning. Seven to 1290. We'll be right back after this. Hello, this is some rain and snow in the forecast today. Mainly rain this afternoon and warmer with highs into the mid-40s. Rain continues through the night and into Thursday when it's going to be very mild. Southwesterly flow pushing temperatures into the low and even the mid-50s in the Bitterroot. It's going to stay windy through Thursday and then some transition back to snow showers later Thursday night into Friday. But again, any accumulation in the valleys is going to be light. With the Down Square weather forecast, I'm Dennis Bragg. Hey, welcome back to Talk Back. Phone lines are open for Walt Kiro, 721-1290. He's our resident CPA from Kiro Byington and Associates. I just mentioned that I got my taxes done, went in with all my big pile of stuff, stack mm-hmm. of stuff, and and uh, Walt uh, took care of it uh, in just a few minutes because I'm a small fry in his business, but I uh, deeply appreciate it. But the, uh, the, the question that I, I want to bring to you as a tax preparer of many, many years, uh, for someone who is getting ready to go to whatever H&R Block or, you know, one of those 
people like at the grocery stores that do taxes. Um, you want to make sure you've got all your ducks in a row before you come in. So what kind of what kind of things does the tax preparer need to do their tax return? Well, the most important thing is, is to bring in a copy of your prior year tax return. Now, I'm assuming this is where you go meet somebody for the first time. If you're going uh, uh, on a repeat offense, no problem, <laughs> because uh, the preparer will already have your prior year return. But that's the most important thing. Uh, I always have fun with, uh, cl- with new clients. I said, uh, be careful. This is going to be a test. And then I, uh, especially I like to pick on husbands of married couples because I asked for everybody's birthday, including the kids. And generally there'll be a stumble here and there, but <laughs> the, uh, the, the wives, the, the spouses pretty much know they, they know birth dates and, uh, Anyway, so, so that's kind of fun. You need, the husbands you are embarrassingly that. out in the cold. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. paperwork-wise, besides the prior year return, is, uh, uh, most people are aware they'll get W-2s, and they, they know those are important documents. But if you got Social Security and you're receiving benefits, there's a 1099 from that form. That's important to bring in any 1099s. And 1099s can be simple, like bank interest, or they can be extremely complicated, like non-employee compensation. It goes on your, quote-unquote, Schedule C. There there are some, especially for for those thousands of people out there that receive Social Security. Uh, When you first uh, get Social Security, they ask you, do you want your taxes taken out? They won't automatically take it out. You have to ask them to do that, right? Yes, yes. So why is that important? Well, it's important because especially for people who continue to work and they collect Social Security... Uh, at certain income levels, Social Security starts becoming, starts being taxable. And so if they don't do withholding, all of a sudden they can find themselves with a whoops, with the whoops being, oh, yo, a bunch of money. And if you're in a 22% federal tax bracket and you get $30,000, $20,000 of Social Security income, Boom! You can have uh, a four or six thousand dollar tax bill from that, and you, and you, you thought you were doing a good deed by retiring, right? And and they and they do make that, but they don't, they don't emphasize that you need to take the tax out. They make the they make the option available for you, but they don't. They neither encourage nor you know. Yeah, they're kind of. Uh, agnostic about it (laughs) and the problem is is uh, i wish they would do this but they don't is is uh, withhold state tax on social security because montana taxes it just the same right so anyway all right so 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 what else uh, should they be bringing with them especially if they're going for the first time uh uh that's mostly it you know for simple returns if you right. if you have a business or a rental you should have all that paperwork put together especially receipts and disbursements and that kind of information and and there are people that that have hobby businesses right yes that, that, that where, where they maybe go to craft shows and trade fairs and things like that yeah and and they may not think that's a big deal but i guess there is a level upon which you have to report all that that's right that's right and uh, I have a client that I had never heard of this before, but they came in this year and 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 they are uh, they have a small a small business. It's it's actually a rental business, but it's 
Turo. Have you ever heard of Turo, T-U-R-O? I hadn't either. But what it is is you have a car and you put it in the business. It's like a VRBO or an Airbnb for your car. And people will rent your car. And I go, whoa, well, that's cool. So, yeah, that's... It's it's a it's a trend. It's something that people do. And oh, you trusting soul! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, you buy insurance and you cover yeah. it. You're you're actually kind of competing with the uh, the, the Avises of right. the world yeah. and Hertz and those. Wow. Okay. I, it just totally blew me away. I'd never heard of it before. But yeah. Okay. All right. And, and with that, with that, we're up against another break already. And so I wanted to, I wanted to get that in there in case folks are just, you know, rummaging around. It's time to go to H and R Block or whatever. And so, uh, what do I need to take? Now you know, yes, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Mm-hmm. So, and you still brought your stack of stuff. Oh and, yeah, I've and, got some important things I want to talk about. And there, you know, there, there is a, a meeting coming up today where. Um, the city is talking, uh, the, the fire chief, Gordy Hughes, good friend of this program, uh, is going to be appearing before the city council talking about uh, a $7 million fire levy as to whether or not it's going to be on the next, you know, uh, ballot and mm-hmm. how important it is and all that. So we'll be talking with them. So those are all taxes and all paid for by Property the taxes. Property the property payers. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're going to come right back and talk about that. Uh, in lieu of calls, uh, of course, yeah. we'd love to fill up our phone lines for questions for Walt. That's why he's here at 721 We'll be right back after this. Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your social security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information or instant payment, email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. That's still my favorite part. Uh, well, <laughs> welcome back to Talk Back, everybody. I'm Peter Christian. That is Nick Christensen over there taking your phone calls uh, for Talk Back this morning. And we have two full hours with Walt Kiro, our resident CPA. And we've got Susan on the line right now. Susan, good morning. You're on Talk Back. Welcome back. Hi, Susan. I actually have a question. If and it's for a friend of mine, um, if <clears throat> if a spouse has died and um, they had a will and everything went to the spouse, what kind of a settlement do they have to expect when they go into a tax to an accountant for their taxes this year? They died in 2023, so it would be for the taxes of 2023. What what should they anticipate um, having to pay every the? I mean, they're still living in the house that uh, their spouse lived in. Um, all of their accounts 
you know, are, are a part of them. Um, I mean, is there anything that they're going to have to pay in the way of taxes? And I'm going to get off the phone. Okay, okay Susan, thanks, good thanks, question. Susan. Uh, uh, and I'm just going to assume that the, the husband, the spouse died in 2023. There are two two uh, tax angles you have to be uh, concerned about. The first one would probably apply to almost all married couples when a spouse dies, and that is having to file uh, an income tax return. In the year of death, uh, the uh, tax return for the married couple even though the spouse is dead by December 31st, you still can file a joint return. And if there are still kids in the household and that happens, you have uh, the following year can be filed jointly. And you just report all your income that you receive for both uh, both husband and spouse uh, on the return as per normal. The uh, other track that you have to be concerned about is the estate tax system. Now, the federal law, there is no Montana inheritance tax, so you can not worry about Montana, but the federal tax law uh, requires estates with more than $11 million in assets, actually it's closer to 12 now, to file an estate tax return. And uh, what happens upon the date of death uh, that you step up the basis, that's a fancy term that the law uh, allows, but it's a very tax benefit uh, uh, provision in the estate law. So as Susan was saying, well, they own the, the we're going to assume they own the house jointly. At the date of death, <clears throat> you're supposed to get the market value of the house and uh, the survivor uh, will get uh, be able to increase their tax basis, their tax cost in the house by one half of the market value. And the reason is, is because their husband or their, their spouse dies, you get to step up the basis in those assets at, because it's jointly owned, 50% of that. So for a lot of people who have appreciated real estate around here, if somebody dies, Make darn sure you get a good uh, a, a appraisal or a CMA, current market analysis, to justify that value because it'll save you tax in the long run to do that. <clears throat> in similar manner, you could have brokerage accounts that are jointly owned. So if you have a string of stocks and bonds and all that stuff, you got to revalue all those at the date of death and uh, – Again, the whole point of that is is to uh, minimize, reduce your taxes once those assets are sold. Okay. Now, we do have an app question before we take another break. Uh, Nick, what's going on? What do you got? Uh, We have a caller question. Uh, The gal wanted to know if you inherit a painting and sell it, is that taxable? Uh, Inherit a painting? Yep. And then sell it, is uh, that taxable? Uh, Yes. uh, but here's the, and that's a perfect follow-up question to this. Because let's say in Susan's question, they had a, a, a Charles Russell original in the house. Yeah, or Thomas Kincaid. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so what they did, what you do is you get 
an appraiser, somebody who's familiar with artwork, to give you an idea of the value at the date of death. And you get to step up the basis at the date of death, assuming it was a jointly owned piece of art, or if it was 100% owned by the decedent, then you get to step up the basis in all of it. So at the date of death, if that painting's worth $10,000 and you paid originally 1000 you avoid the capital gain treatment on that. And so the painting is considered what the tax law calls a collectible. There's a special capital gains tax of up to 28% on that. But what you do is, is if you inherit it, you need to get that uh, piece of art appraised uh, by a third party. Don't rely on related parties, but a third party who's independent and get uh, a value for that uh painting and then if you sell it for more than what the uh, what it appraises at at date of death then you have this collectible gain and you have to report it okay all right good to know we're, we're up against another break 721 is our number all of our phone lines are are available if you have a question for walt kiro our resident cpa from kiro byington and associates he's here specifically to answer your questions. So if you're gathering all your tax stuff together and maybe you have forgotten a few things and maybe you don't understand certain things, maybe your situation has changed, maybe you got divorced, been widowed, or you know, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, whatever it might be, or you got, gained, came into an inheritance. Or, or, hey, there are always tax questions with everything to do with money. So, oh, yes. Yeah. So we're going to come right back. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. 721-1290. We'll be right back. Some rain and snow in the forecast today, mainly rain this afternoon and warmer with highs into the mid-40s. Rain continues through the night and into Thursday when it's going to be very mild. Southwesterly flow pushing temperatures into the low and even the mid-50s in the Bitterroot. It's going to stay windy through Thursday and then some transition back to snow showers later Thursday night into Friday. But again, any accumulation in the valleys is going to be light. With a down square weather forecast, I'm Dennis Bragg. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It, uh, we are on Talkback this morning. And, of course, Walt Kiro, our resident CPA from Kiro Byington & Associates, an uh, uh, accounting firm here in Missoula. Of course, uh, Walt has over 50 years of tax experience. So if you have, a, if you have a tax question, you're getting ready to do your taxes, give us a call, 721-1290. That's our number. Of course, all the advice is free, mostly general yeah. in nature. Mm-hmm. Now, one quick question. We just had, had talk, uh, talked about some somebody inheriting something. Um, if someone passes away and uh, uh, and they have left a life insurance policy for the spouse or for the family, whatever, is that taxable? In most cases, it's not. Life insurance is not going to be taxable under about 90, 95% of the cases. And the reason why is because life insurance, the premiums aren't deducted. Now, there's some types of corporate owned life insurance that can become taxable. And, and you get uh, uh, corporations buying life insurance to to buy out the stock in case an owner passes away. So, yeah, it, you know, it, it can be in certain cases. Uh, another thing, and this is really getting into the weeds because I <laughs> barely understand it, but you can have an insurance policy and you pay the premiums on it and it it can morph, if you will, it changes into what they call a modified endowment contract. Yeah, 
uh, uh, whatever. An MEC. Yeah. <laughs> and, and <laughs> what, what happens with modified endowment contracts is then a portion of it, the growth in that policy from what you originally paid for it, and it builds up. It's The calculations are way beyond me, but part of what you get from the life insurance policies will become taxable if you have what they call a modified endowment contract. And there's some definitions of that, but, you know, that's kind of out of, outside of my wheelhouse. But that's a, another case where life insurance right. can become taxable. But it, it, it is simple life insurance policy. Say it's a half million dollars or whatever, and, and they took it out 15 years ago, and they get hit by a truck or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and so the person gets that money. That is not taxable. Nope. Okay. Generally All right. not. All right. Let's uh, get Charlie on the line. Charlie, good morning. You're on Talkback with Walt Kiro. What's your question, please? Hi, Charlie. Hey, getting a huge okay. echo. Yeah, yeah. I think what he's saying is like like what I do when, when I pay quarterly yes. and, and I send the in, a coupon every three or four months. Yeah. He wants to pay it all at once. Does yeah. he have to send all the coupons in together? No. What I Here's the best thing to do is if you're going to up the amount, draw a line through your voucher payment if it's already pre-filled and put in the amount and just write one check and just send in one voucher okay. form. Uh, the okay. IRS gets confused easily, and that's one way <laughs> of confusing them. Uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, drawing a, a line through a number and, and writing in your own number to match with the check. The other thing that's okay, important great. is put your Social Security number on the check. That way, in case things get shuffled in the mail room, uh, they, can, they can associate it. Okay, where would you put that in the memo line or like yeah, the yeah, name? yeah, so, just on the memo okay. line or just somewhere on the check that you have room. Okay, great. Yeah, Alrighty. you bet. Hmm, bye. Okay, good luck, Charlie. Charlie, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Seven two one twelve ninety is our number. One eight hundred five six eight five three zero nine. Or you can use the KGBO app as we encourage you to do. If you haven't downloaded the KGBO app, why not? Uh, it's absolutely free, and you can listen to, to us all over the world. It doesn't cost you a thing. No. So there no. you go. All right, and you get to hear fun programs like this. Oh yeah. Okay, let's let's jump into your stack of stuff. The here. stack of stuff. The yeah. first and most important thing we're going to talk about. Property taxes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and our our esteemed governor uh, appointed a, 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 a task force, a property task force, and they were charged with how to bring permanent, some permanent tax relief to Montana homeowners. And they're meeting once a month, but in February, I think on the 14th, that's about two weeks ago. Mm-hmm, right. In fact, to the day, two weeks ago, the last time we had, I was on the radio. There you go. Uh, and the governor told this task force, you can do it, but a sales tax is off the table. Right. Well, one interesting thing, Sandra Vasica brought up the idea of, she mentioned sales tax, but with, in the same breath, eliminating property taxes. <laughs> in other words, it's a replacement Let's make tax. It a trade-off. Now- I know that would sell better on a statewide sales tax if you eliminated 
but uh, uh, Lou Jones, Llewellyn Jones, said, well, we have a problem with that because the Montana Constitution will only allow a 4% sales tax. Wow. That would never generate enough money to replace the property tax uh, money that comes into the state and local governments. Is there a way they could, they could do both? They could severely uh, uh, limit the area where property taxes could be, could be leveled. Right. Yeah. Maybe perhaps only people over a million dollars in in you know property value that sort of thing. Or or in other words, the rest of us poor working slobs wouldn't have to worry about it too much. Well, the the people who are hurt the most by this is not the working slobs, right? But the people on fixed income, yeah. the retirees, right. the widows, the widowers who. The only income they get is Social Security. So as their property goes up and their property tax bills go up, their income doesn't go up enough, quick enough to deal mm-hmm. with that. Right. So uh, several states, and I, I was aware of this because I kind of looked at this problem uh, a, a month or two ago. And Texas has what they call, I think it's homestead exclusion. So the first X dollars of value on your personal residence is excluded from taxation. And everybody gets that, whether you're a billionaire, a millionaire, or somebody on Social Security. Everybody gets that. And so I I think that's an appealing process to exempt the first X dollars of uh, your taxable value from that the would, property tax that bill. That would obviously have to be legislated. Oh, yeah. 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 That would have to be done. But that's with, an answer. Yep. And with that, we're up against another break. Jeff is waiting to visit with you. We have several other phone lines open. If you have a tax question for Walt, that is why he's here. So take advantage of this opportunity to get some free general tax advice. And he's pretty good at it. So 721 is our number. We're coming right back after this. This is a... Sp- Data shows that after a child turns nine in foster care, they are much less likely to be adopted. But the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption believes every child is adoptable. Families, if you're able to let your hair down a little bit, there's a lot to learn from teenagers. The clock is ticking for teens at risk of aging out of foster care. Learn how you can help at DaveThomasFoundation.org. We are back. This is Talk Back. It's Wednesday, February 28th. And of course, Walt Kiro, our resident CPA from Kiro Bind and Associates here, giving general tax advice as he does every other week or so. We really appreciate him being with us, especially as we're right at the advent of tax return season. So uh, let's get Jeff on the line. Jeff, good morning. You're on with Walt. Please go ahead, sir. Hey, good morning. Before I get to my question, a uh, comment on what Susan asked about. Uh, Marcia Getting, Dr. Marcia Getting from uh, MSU Extension uh, for Agricultural Family Business. She has a whole host of uh, publications out there on estate planning and finances and wills and different things. And one thing she is very, very adamant about, and she drills it into anybody who comes to her classes, is that a contract beats a will. And the example she gives is that in, in the case of a house that's owned by a couple, joint tenancy held in common, you can leave that house to whoever you want in the will. But if it's a deed, which is a contract that says joint tenancy held in common, um, the example she gives is that the two spouses own it, 
one spouse dies, the remaining spouse get married, gets married, and then that spouse dies. The house will go to the heirs of the person last standing, which would not be the original couple's kids. It'll go to the, the newly acquired spouse's family. Um, and the way to get around that is to, on the deed, modify it to say pay on death. Because now the contract says, when I die, this is who gets it. But uh, she will she will foot stomp that to death about uh, wills not trumping contracts, and people have to be very very careful about that. Yeah, uh, well, uh, I've I've this problem can be can uh, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, but can't that be addressed by what? And I think this is what you're describing is what they call a beneficiary deed. Right. Yeah. When yeah, it's it's on the deed itself. You uh, just say that the, uh, that pay on death and name a beneficiary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's and good that, advice. That turns into a contract, and that's why we need attorneys, good attorneys, to help with this kind of planning. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, just don't assume, and you can do that for vehicles too. You can put a beneficiary on your t- on your vehicle title, so that if you pass, you say, "When I die, so and so gets it." Yeah. If it's you want a grandson or a son or a daughter or whatever to get the, your vehicle, when you die, um, they get it automatically, and it passes outside of probate, so you don't have to pay any probate costs on it in both cases. So, um, my question though is somewhat different. I'm uh, secretary for an involved in an HOA up here. Yeah, and uh, I inherited about twenty-five years of uh, bank statements and all sorts of things. Ouch! And I'm <laughs> yeah, it's a fairly large crate, and I'm wondering what sort of retention should I have for various things? I mean, there's some founding documents, charter things with uh, uh, articles of incorporation and uh, covenants and different things that you know you keep forever because those yeah. never expire. That was what I would recommend. That's tough. Yeah, bank statements and uh, old insurance policies and and uh, meter readings for water and that sort of thing. I think I have a sense, but I'd I'd like to get a professional opinion on that. Yeah, Yeah. uh, on that, Jeff, and and I also had a question for you, but in regards to your question, uh, I would keep uh, uh, anything more than three years, I would, you know, find a a fire or a shredder to use. And uh, because uh, if you ever got a tax uh, question or audit in this HOA, they can only go back three years. And, uh, you know, they could go back further if the case there was fraud, but I can't imagine fraud of any significant magnitude happening in an HOA where nobody's getting compensation. I'm sure you're doing this because you're a nice guy, right? Well, I I get a whopping $300 a year taken off of my uh, HOA. Oh, okay. (laughs) Why, you greedy Gus, you. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, it's my wife and I together, so it's only 150 weeks. Maybe that redeems me in your eyes. Okay, all right. uh, Yeah. Okay, Okay. because you have uh, a background in uh, 
security and investigatory stuff. I, I asked uh, Ryan Zinke last week a question. I don't know if I got a good answer from him, but the people who signed off on that letter, uh, the 50 intelligence people who signed off on the the letter that uh, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, Russian hoax letter, should they have their security clearances uh, uh, suspended or reversed? Um, that would, ha- I don't, my short answer is I don't know. Um, some of them, like uh, the, the folks who were former directors of the National Security Agency and the CIA and the director of national intelligence, um, a lot of those folks actually, I, I know presidents do, and I think they do as well, get to uh, continue seeing some classified information, get maybe some of what um, in the business is called daily intel summaries or Dysons, uh, and, you know, keep their finger on the pulse. Uh, my personal feelings is, yes, they're not trustworthy. Anybody who is has so little integrity that they would sign a document like that um, that's patently false and then proven to be patently false. And later on, they come, well, you know, they make various excuses. Um, I don't know if it's a matter of statutory uh, requirement, but, uh, yeah, I, if I were... Uh, if I were a member of the government and able to do something, I would with, I would revoke all those clearances and say, sorry, you don't get to play in the sandbox anymore. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, hey, I appreciate the answer. Jeff, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. We're up against another break. 721-1290 is our number. All of our phone lines are clear. You have a tax question for Walt Kiro. Give us a call at 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309 or use the KGVO app. We like it when you do that. We're coming back. After this. Some rain and snow in the forecast today. Mainly rain this afternoon and warmer with highs into the mid-40s. Rain continues through the night and into Thursday when it's going to be very mild. Southwesterly flow pushing temperatures into the low and even the mid-50s in the Bitterroot. It's going to stay windy through Thursday and then some transition back to snow showers later Thursday night into Friday. But again, any accumulation in the valleys is going to be light. With the Town Square weather forecast, I'm Dennis Bragg. Okay, we are back. This is Talkback Nick. We have, a, we have an app question, sir. Oh, yeah, Jerry said, what's the easiest way to meet the new requirement of LLC to show the ownership to the federal authorities? Is there a website that is easy to do so? Uh, yeah, the website is, uh, for lack of anything better, uh, it's F-I-N-C-E-N. And that stands for Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. And currently, FinCEN... Uh, requires people who have foreign bank accounts with more than $10,000 in them to report it. And if they have foreign financial assets, let's say they have a rental house in Oslo, Norway, and that and that, that's a rental and produces income, those financial assets, or let's just say it's even simpler, let's go with a brokerage account based in Oslo, uh, you have to file that uh, uh, it's form 114. The, the beneficial ownership uh, that the app question questioner is bringing up uh, is something that is due by December 31st if the LLC or the business entity was in existence at December 31st of last year. For a brand new LLC that somebody forms, you got 90 days from the date of formation. 
And so what's the criteria on that is any small business that's registered with Secretary of State, if you're registered, you need to to do these forms. So uh, I, FinCEN is, is the place to go. I don't know the name or the uh, number on the form, but that's that's where to go. That's, okay. All right, F-I-N, FinCEN, FinCEN. Okay, let's get Larry on the line. Larry, good morning. You're on with Walt. Please go ahead, sir. Good morning, Walt. Morning, Larry. Uh, question for you. Uh, if uh, I decide to sell my second home, and uh, we built a lot of that ourselves, and uh, the uh, I set up a separate uh, checking account for the construction of that, but uh, I check with the bank and they don't have the records. This was about 14 or 15 years ago. And I've destroyed uh, a lot of my uh, old bank records. Yeah. And how do I establish the basis for that that will stand up to um, scrutiny? Uh, since a lot of the work we did ourselves <laughs> and uh, I've got receipts from the materials we bought, but I don't have a real uh, way of establishing that basis. Okay. Uh, it, it's, it's painful and it's difficult. You try to do the best you can with what you have. And uh, I'll give you an extreme example where this comes up is the, uh, the folks out at Dale's Dairy a long time ago. They had a fire and all their records got burned. And uh, I remember Betty Joe, who is now deceased, asking uh, one of the IRS agents around town, what do we do? And they said, well, if your records are toast, there's not much you can do. So you do the best you can with what you can uh, recreate. So uh, that being said, but Larry, you can't deduct your sweat. So if you and your spouse (laughs) and kids built the house, uh, you don't you can't include that labor because you didn't pay anything for it into your cost basis. So, you know, uh, no good deed goes unpunished. So when you sell it, you make a big profit. You get to pay the tax. But. Yeah. To, to get back to things, uh, you can go, uh, you, you, it, let's say you have no records at all. You could go to how many square feet it was. And if you know a builder that's been around a long time, you could ask him, well, how much does it cost to build a house in 1980 with the materials at that time? How much per square foot? And it could be 100, uh-huh. 120 bucks a square foot. Now, that's probably the the valuation or a cost basis reconstruction that would would get questioned the most. But if you use a third party to corroborate your numbers, then you take away a lot of the scrutiny uh, that somebody could disallow what you come up with. And uh, also, uh, what about the uh, uh, going to Montana Cadastral and they show the it was bare ground when we bought it. Yeah. And then the increase in value um, when we built the house and added the garage and that sort of thing. Um, would that be a way also? Yeah, that would, to me, I would use that to corroborate what I got from a, a, a reputable builder. A contractor? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. 
All right. Well, thanks. Okay. Good question, Larry. Appreciate thanks, Larry. it. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate it. Okay. Yeah. We, we have, we're like less than a minute away from uh, our hard break at the top of the hour. We have another hour to come, ladies and gentlemen. If you have a tax question for Walt Kiro, Kiro Byington and Associates, he's here to answer your questions free, free, free. And so, <laughs> and, and we haven't even begun to scratch your uh, your stack of stuff here yeah but one of the answers that I, i'm going to mention to this governor's task force right, right. we'll give them an idea on what they can do to deal with a permanent tax thing and i know it's probably just going to get lip service but throughout all this discourse on raising revenue from this source and that source the other part of the spending equation is that spending and People and our governments are set up and driven to spend. They're not driven to save. And so... That's where the taxpayer comes in. That's where the taxpayer comes in with the club, and hopefully right. they use it. We're going to come right back after the top of the hour. Uh, all of our phone lines are open now, by the way. If you have a question for Walt Kiro, 721-1290 is our number. We're coming right back after the top. Uh, this is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Welcome back, everyone. Glad to have you along this morning. It's hour number two of Talk Back. Walt Kiro, our special guest here in the studio. Talk Back this morning is brought to you by Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts. But how cold it might get, whatever the uh, weather might be, they'll make sure your rig starts every time. Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts and Service at Palmer and West Broadway. Phillips Janitorial offers both uh, cleaning for your home and your business. And so uh, don't worry if the job is too big or too small. They want to hear from you at 406 260 6617. Also brought to you by Harrington Surgical Supply. You can feel confident in their discreet and knowledgeable guidance on a multitude of products and medical supplies. And by Y West Storage, located out at the Y on Two Smokes Way. Do they have a unit for you? I'll bet they do. Here's the number 406 510 Write it down. Y West Storage, making room for you. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Okay, we are back on TalkBack, and we are privileged to have with us Walt Kiro, our resident CPA from Kiro Byington and Associates. Been around for a long time, and uh, Walt very generously donates his time to answer yep. general tax questions. Yeah, we're Appreciate trying it. to help with the financial literacy out here in western Montana. And we have calls coming in, so let's. Uh, Dave has been waiting the longest. Dave, good morning. You're on with Walt. Hi, Dave. Yes, good morning. I was curious if you have any opinion about the Mar-a-Lago con controversy about club versus home taxes, uh, valuations, and, and the big mess that's involved in that. Oh, oh, well, my opinion, my opinion is, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's difficult because we don't know Miami real estate, but I would... Uh, uh, at least the judge in New York, uh, who is a judge, has no clue about uh, uh, valuations of property in Miami, Florida. And so the judge should be relying on experts. 
And so, obviously, um, uh, Trump says the property is probably worth a billion dollars or more. And the local, uh, uh, the judge says it's only worth $18 million. Uh, if you go to comparables and if you talk to a realtor, most of the time a realtor, if you ask them if they if they do current market analysis, could come up with values. The other thing that's usually conservative is just go to the assessed valuations by the uh, local governments. And if the assessed values are anything uh, like uh, in Florida, like they are in Montana, the, the market value is generally about 30% higher than what the assessed local value is. Although the Montana Constitution says uh, property is supposed to be valued at the current market values. So, I, I mean, that's just an opinion. I think... Um, the, the problem here, uh, excuse me, but the problem here is it's zoned for as a club. And as such, the local government has, has appraised it at $35 million. Because of the of the income coming into it, so so if it was a home, it would be a whole different story. But so there is a controversy because the zone, you know, Trump changed the zoning of it to, to be a club to avoid taxes, and uh, and such he got a lot much lower rate. But yeah. if it was a home, it would certainly be worth a lot more than thirty five million. Yeah, but do you think avoidance is a criminal element or is it evasion that's the criminal element? Sure, sure, I agree. But I mean, if he's saying it's worth a billion, that's that's not being accurate. I mean, as a as a club, it's it's not a it's not valued at that. It's it you know he cannot have it both ways. He cannot value it as a as a home and pay taxes as a club. So I mean, there's there's a controversy there. That's, yeah, that's but, why but he my pays opinion all these experts is really jaded yeah. here because. If you have an alleged crime, uh, who are the victims? Because what I understand, nobody's been hurt because nobody lost money. And if nobody lost money, then where's the beef, I guess, is the, the, the question to ask. And I'm sure that will be uh, uh, brought up in appeal. And I, 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 I saw yesterday in various news outlets that uh, he's already filed his appeal on that judge's decision. And uh, I think Tim Scott and others pointed out to Trump that the Eighth Amendment would come into play because if nobody's been hurt, where do you get a three, four hundred million dollar judgment? You know, it's just it's just it sure points to a political uh, attack. If, if I had a ray, uh, my opinion would be that most likely the it'll stand, but the judgment will be lowered considerably because like you say no one was hurt but i still question they just you know, want they just it, want to punish the guy right isn't that right dave well they just he, want to show him who's boss um, you can't he, just he, run he around and make all this money and not have us come after you buddy <laughs> right if he had just been honest about saying it was a club and valued a lot less <laughs> he would be in a lot less trouble all right That's why, just be honest all right, Dave. Thanks. Okay. Appreciate the call. Yeah. 721-1290 is our number. We do have an app question. Uh, Nick, what's going on with that? Uh, yes. The app question was from Jeff. He said, do I need to file a return for a miner who made $800 in 2023 in order to contribute $800 to a custodial Roth IRA in that miner's name? 
Okay. Um, it depends on the type of income that the $800 came from. If it was from a W-2, there wouldn't be a requirement to file because he's under underneath the filing requirements. But if it was from interest, dividends, or capital gains, then he does have a requirement to file. You, he can put the money into a Roth, but the minute you do that, you don't create a deduction. All right, with that, we're going to take a break. <clears throat> Come right back. 721 is our number. We have Ed and Joe both waiting to visit with Walt Carroll. That's why he's here. Yeah. Imagine that. It's yeah, I understand sign language, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a talk show. Anyway, 721-1290 is our number. We don't have any fun around here either. No. We're, we're coming right back after this. You want the best... Some rain and snow in the forecast today, mainly rain this afternoon and warmer with highs into the mid-40s. Rain continues through the night and into Thursday when it's going to be very mild. Southwesterly flow pushing temperatures into the low and even the mid-50s in the Bitterroot. It's going to stay windy through Thursday and then some transition back to snow showers later Thursday night into Friday. But again, any accumulation in the valleys is going to be light. With the Down Square weather forecast, I'm Dennis Bragg. Outside my patented exclusive weather window, it's cloudy. And uh, yeah, anyway, uh, we have the fabulous Walt Carroll joining us here in the studio this morning. I'm Carroll Byington and Associates. We're talking about taxes. And let's get right back to the phones and say good morning to Ed. Hi, Ed. How are you? Hi, Ed. Hey, per pretty good. Thanks for letting me on here. Uh, th this concerns... Uh uh, a point not as big as Mar-a-Lago, but uh, on a Missoula scale, I'm talking about the Fort Missoula Old Post Hospital plan that was turned in. Oh uh, yeah, by by the owners, uh, it got turned down by a city committee, and now the owners are putting in a permit to tear it down. Uh, they can't fix it up. The city won't let them fix it up, uh, so they're going to uh, they're 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 going to try to uh, tear it down. Uh, if this is the case, you you might need more details than I could possibly give. But what would the tax implications be if they put out good money and got turned down by a city committee, and now have to uh, tear down the hospital? So. What do you think? Okay, Ed, here are the tax considerations. I don't think they've changed in 20, 30, 40 years. When you buy a piece of property like that and you tear down a building, you don't get to deduct that. Unless, but here's what happens is you take the cost to demolish and add it to the basis of the land. I know it's a goofball rule, but that's the way it is. So there is a tax consequence, but only when they later resell the land. So th that's where they'll get their deduction is when they sell. Does that make sense? Okay. It doesn't yeah, make sense, sense to me, but it, that's the way it is. Who knows if they'll be allowed to sell? <laughs> Who knows? Oh, yeah, that's uh, another another problem. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks, Ed. Thank good question. Your, thank you for your call, Ed. Appreciate that. And Joe is up next. Joe, good morning. Good morning. Morning, yeah, Joe. Uh, you know, yeah, I was raised uh, Catholic, but uh, the one cardinal sin in that religion is uh, teachings of Christ, you know, is jealousy, one of the cardinal sins. And I personally believe that in addition to uh, racism, which, you know, because Donald Trump is a uh, rich white male. Yeah. Uh, but European, the, too. But there is, there's, <laughs> just, 
Yeah, and but there's jealousy involved because you know, and and this Fanny Willis, she she likes to go on cruises and things too, you know. But <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, you know. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to mention that because you know I never was jealous of anybody I worked for. I worked for people in Missoula that are millionaires, you know, and I right. I just don't have the jealousy. I, I don't care. They, but anyway, that's that's. I'm going a little too long on that, but, you know, I go back to my uh, thought about property taxes and evaluations and et cetera. And the one thing I mentioned before is that in Florida, they uh, they exempt the primary residents from uh, evaluation spikes in valuation. And then I mentioned the other idea to you before. I call it pachos, which I believe in Spanish is the... A duck, you know. Yeah. And I, I told you this before. But anyway, patos is pay appreciation at time of sale. So that's it. Oh, but, okay. So in other words, yeah, you know, so in other words, what I'm saying is that this is really uh, an unearned income tax, these these uh, spikes in valuation. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, and since, and I was just going to make a joke out of that, but say, you know, okay, well, I can I can identify as a woman if I want, right? <laughs> Hey, hey, Joe, but that's why they, they tax capital gains at a lower rate than ordinary income is because of that uh, uh, appreciation being based on part of it being based upon inflation. And so the attempt to reduce the capital gains rate was to address that spike in value. And that makes all the sense. But what you said uh, begs a question because you're talking that uh, Florida property tax laws exempt some or all, a portion of uh, uh, residents. Well, Dave's question about Trump's uh, Mar-a-Lago calling it a club to to avoid property tax. Well, is he raising his taxes by moving from residents to a club? You know that begs the question because that would that would need more investigation if it was worth uh, going after. But anyway, good point. Well, well, if he's if he's if he's undervaluing his property, or why aren't the property tax people after him for uh, for cheating on his property taxes? Yeah, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard I, to do that, isn't it? it? I don't know. There's it, it's one way or the other. If he's if he's saying it's worth more, then why isn't he reporting more on his property tax? You know, yeah, or paying more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, that's. But it, so if if I can identify as a woman, why can't I identify a property tax as an as a uh, 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 unearned income? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see my logic? Yep. Yep. I just want to identify it. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, I, that's what I see it as. I wish someone would take it to court and challenge it on that basis, but, you know, probably ain't going to be me. Yeah. Well, it takes a lot of money to go to court. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, that's not my problem. So. <laughs> no. Well, you don't have a George Soros funding you yeah, like yeah. Uh, some of those DAs that get funded to uh, sue Trump or go after Trump. Oh, yeah, and then another one I heard is the, uh, you know, you've got Trump derangement syndrome. And I, I loved your analogy to baseball. 
four strikes and or balls. Four balls and you walk. And you walk. <laughs> that yeah. was a great one. But um, what was the? Uh, oh God, I don't mind. Um, oh, the, you have Trump derangement syndrome, but you also have a Trump derangement syndicate. Oh yeah, that's yeah. That's one I like because because all these people have been meeting at the White House. This uh, this Fannie Willis's boyfriend was going to the White House and meeting with uh, the president's people and, and yeah, Letitia James was doing the same thing. The lady yeah. from the Attorney General of New York State. Right. And, of course, this case is a RICO case, the one in Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's racketeering. That's an organized crime syndicate where people get together and they form a, a criminal enterprise. And uh, to me, that's what is going on. <laughs> I bet it, it's so typical. All that, right. Yeah. They, thank thank you. doing what they accuse you of. Thank you for your yeah. call, sir. We're going to come right back. We have Buck waiting on the line. Buck, we'll get your call here in a moment. Our, our guest here in the studio this morning is Walt Kiro from Kiro Byington and Associates. And he's here uh, to answer your tax questions, mostly general tax questions. Uh, I'd love to have you in on the conversation. He'll be here for another 40 minutes. So time is flying by. Oh, We're going to boy. come right back after this timeout. The final. We are back. This is Talkback. 721-1290 is our number. 1-800-568-5309. Walt Kiro here in the studio. And Buck is on the line. Hi, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Walt. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Buck, go ahead. Good morning. Go ahead, sir. Good morning. Well, if, if I'm up this quick, the queue is short. So <laughs> I want to take the time also quickly. Thank you, Nick. Last time you were producing and, and hosting both, and you gave me a little extra leeway. And it is appreciated. It's not an easy job. So... Mm-hmm. But for Walt this morning, uh, I think last time you said some client kind of gave you a copy of a post-Civil War income oh, yeah. tax form. And I, I know you're not a professor. <laughs> no. But, uh, well, but the question is, do you have an idea that that is prohibited by the Constitution in that time frame, long before income tax was enabled by the 16th Amendment? Do you know the circumstances? Was it something akin to, you know, declaring martial law and an exception of a temporary nature? Well, uh, they had an income tax that was declared as an emergency to fund the Civil War. And true to government form, they just kept extending it. And kept it in place. That's my understanding. I'm not an expert on that. Well, no, but that's uh, that's more information than I expected maybe you would have. So thank you. Because, you know, technically it it wasn't allowed by the Constitution. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, Congress and or the president. And that time, Lincoln, I think they established that as an emergency. And, yeah, you know, it's just. Oh, God, was, you know, a lot of times they have local levies that they pass and they said, oh, this is just temporary. Well, temporary becomes permanent, and that's unfortunate. But that's my understanding because I had the same question you did when I saw that return. I got that doesn't make sense, but but thank you for reminding me because I'm going to have to dig that out, and that might be one of my stories. Uh, uh, for I, I'm supposed to come up with ten stories for uh, 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 Dennis Bragg here, and we'll be going over those ten stories when I get them. Well, good. I look forward to it. Thank you. All okay. Right. Thank, thank you for your call, sir. We appreciate it. 721-1290 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. Uh, Marilyn is waiting to talk with us now. Good morning, Marilyn. You're on with Walt. Go ahead, please. Hi, Marilyn. Good morning, Walt. So you're one of my favorite 
guests on this show. I oh. trust you. Okay. Um, well, thank you. So I have a question. Um, so the central di- banking digital system like India went to, can you explain to us, in your opinion, what you might think, how that might go with Americans if we went that route? Well, you know, if you if you're doing any searching on the Internet, you'll come across dozens of stories about uh, uh, the the perils of going to such an electronic or digital currency by the U.S. government. And there's a lot of people that are just speculating. And that's the problem with speculating is, is that you, you're never going to be right. But uh, that, that our current president and his administration are going to push for this. And the, the whole point is, is to take currency to make us become cashless. And if we lose our cash, we kind of lose some of our freedoms, uh, at least in my mind. So, uh, you know, uh, whether it's good or bad, there's going to be some good to it. But I think overall, you're going to give a whole bunch of people a lot of access to information. And uh, I, I'm, I'm opposed to that. So anyway, that, that's what I got to say about that, Marilyn. Okay, yeah. Is it being pushed by the U.N.? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm kind of, uh, my head is in taxes. and Global. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, well, thank you for your input. Thanks. Okay, you Thanks. bet, Thank Marilyn. you for the call, Marilyn. All right, so phone lines are clear. If you have a question or a comment for Walt Kiro and Kiro Byington and Associates, who's been in business here in Missoula for a long, long time, over 50 years of tax experience. So uh, yeah. if you have a general tax question, that's why Walt is here today. Yes, you bet. So now uh, we, we have about a minute and a half before we have to take a break here. But I know in your stack of stuff, yeah, uh, number two, well, we haven't even gotten to number two yet. Yeah. And, and that's the Treasury Department. And some of the things they're diving into, it seems that they're diving into, that seem to be very troubling, hearkening back to days gone by. Yeah. Uh, uh, Senator Tim Scott wrote the, the Secretary of Treasury a letter and asked for some information. And what he got back kind of blew people away. But the U.S. Treasury confirmed back to Tim. Tim Scott, that they had instructed the uh, credit card agencies and financial institutions that uh, be on the lookout for certain terms. Some of those terms included MAGA, Trump, et cetera, et cetera. So these financial institutions, credit card companies and whatnot, were purging and looking through their databases. So if Peter Christian went to uh, Shields, or not Shields, but Dick's Sporting Goods right, or right. Bass Pro Shops or locally, Cabela's, right, right. and you, uh, uh, let's just say... I wanted buy, to buy a firearm. You, yeah, or a clip for an right. existing firearm, boom, they would look at that and report it to the Treasury. And when I saw that... What business is it of theirs? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, you know... It, it, <laughs> It, it, that's a huge encroachment. No, that's an invasion of privacy. Yes. Yeah. Big time. Big time. And so, I, you know, this is going back to George Orwell and his book, 1984, right. Big Brother. Mm-hmm. We got Big Brother looking at us. And once I saw that, that just added to the suspicions 
that we as citizens should have with our federal government these days because as some of the uh, uh, people, uh, representatives have been saying it's out of control. And that's, this is a clear example of it. Okay, with that, uh, we're going to take a quick break. 721-1290 is our number. All of our phone lines are clear, uh, which is unusual when Walt is here. Uh, we have another half hour of, uh, of tax advice to give. So if you have a question or comment, Whatever it might be, maybe you're gathering your stuff together to take it to uh, Walmart or wherever you get your taxes done or to your local tax person. Uh, and chances are you won't get the same person every time if you go to one of those agencies, right? So right. You, yeah. have to, you have to make sure you've got all your ducks in a row. So if you have a question or a comment about something that you're curious about, don't wait until you just have headed out the door. Uh, get that question answered now by calling Walt at 721-1290. We're coming back after this. When scientists... Hey, we're back. This is uh, this is Talkback seven two one twelve ninety is our number. I'm Peter Christian. Nick Christensen over there, uh, waiting for your phone calls and producing Talkback this morning. And of course, we have Walt Kiro, our resident CPA, here in the studio, and here's there to answer your questions. Now, before but there's somebody calling in right now, but real quickly, uh, we haven't talked about number three on your list yet about right. the IRS. Right. Yeah, the IRS is starting to examine. The use of corporate jets by large corporations, large partnerships, and high-income taxpayers. Well, like John Kerry, John Kerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How does he get all these places, uh, right? Yeah, and the part of the, the audit will be looking for personal use, which if you use a, a business asset for right. personal use, that's income. So, I mean, that's fine. That's that's a legit purpose. And the audit is going to employ the use of what they call data analytics, big information. And so uh, AI is probably eventually going to mm-hmm. be digging into this. So right. anyway, uh, uh, you know, they're going to look at which uh, they're going to use the data analytics to figure out which jets to look at first. And this this spring... And, and summer, they're going to look about at 36 to 48 jets. So anyway, uh, it'll be kind of interesting, you oh, know. We had a little bit of that here uh, several years ago. Uh, it wasn't a great, great big deal, but uh, one of our state government officials uh, was uh, tagged with the possibility that he may have used a state plane to travel to Missoula to see a concert. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and uh, and not paid for it or not reported or whatever. You know? Right. So and so that 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 caused quite a kerfuffle um, during that time. And as well, it should, because yeah. the taxpayers are paying the bill. Right. And that's a, you know. Uh, but again, I'm using the terms may have. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah. anyway. All right. Let, let's get Catherine on the line. Catherine, good morning. You're on Talkback. Hi, what's up? Hi, Catherine. Hey, yeah. Hi. Um well, I just was wondering, um, can you talk about the, the tax advantages and disadvantages of using trusts in passing on assets? And also, what is a business trust and how does it work? Um, those are the first two questions that I have. Okay, the second question was business trust? Yes. Okay. Okay, I don't know as much about them because they're not used very often. And I've... Uh, anyway, well, I'll do the best I can with that. But okay. a, a, a trust is employed, and uh, my wife and I have a living revocable trust. And it's, you know, it, it was initially uh, living trusts were sold to avoid probate. 
But the pain in the butt with uh, living trusts or any trust is you have to transfer title to the assets into those trusts. And so that's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, You know, you can move your house into the trust pretty easy, but if you own uh, uh, interests in small businesses, that can be difficult because you have to change the ownership of stock or LLCs or partnerships and whatnot, and that's that's easier said than done. But nevertheless, uh, the use of trust versus a will, uh, usually you have to have a will that complements the trust. So, uh, But it's done for long-term planning. And uh, in effect, you know, the point is, is with a trust, you appoint a trustee, somebody that you know or can trust, Uh, emphasis on the word trust, as opposed to the will, which um, you have a personal representative. But if there's anything in the will, and a lot of times there's assets that end up going through probate, then you introduce the courts. Now, the courts are a lot easier to deal with these days on on, uh, probate. But nevertheless, some people just Say hear the word probate and they run. It's kind of like the IRS. The minute they hear the IRS, they run. So uh, that's the big difference between wills and trusts. Uh, Taxation-wise, both trusts and estates will have a high... uh, After about first 15,000 of income, you're paying in a trust or estate, you're paying that 37% maximum tax. So it behooves the trustee to distribute the income to the beneficiaries of that trust. So, and a trust creates another tax return, a lot of paperwork, and uh, and so on. You know, it uh, <laughs> uh, it it seems like you cannot have an estate or trust these days without some beneficiary getting their nose out of joint and 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 complaining and filing lawsuits. Uh, it's just incredible. And it doesn't matter whether it's a trust or a state. It's it really good for happens. the lawyers, though. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, of all places, that's, yeah. you know, people people make their wishes known and their will and their trust. And why not honor them? Anyway, does that help? Yeah. Catherine, now the business uh, yeah. trust, the business trust can take the form of, say, a, a corporation or a partnership, and it's a substitute form of ownership of the business. But it runs through the regular trust rules and all that stuff. And so, uh, you know, you have that high, uh, high tax rate of, you know, like I said, it's about 15000 If you have income left in the trust from a business, then you have that high income tax problem. So you're going to want to distribute all the income out of that quote-unquote business trust to avoid that. Well, I was thinking of agricultural land, you know, because uh, farms and ranches generally, um, you have both the living and the uh, business intertwined. So yeah. I was wondering how that works. Well, a lot of times, some of the sophisticated planners uh, will put the land and the real estate assets into a limited liability company or a partnership or whatnot and keep the farm operation, the actual operating assets of the farm, say like balers and cows and whatnot, in a S corporation or a taxable C corporation and then also, and then that entity rents the land from 
the partnership. That's uh, the most uh, sophisticated way of handling farms and ranches. Uh, it, it creates a lot of extra paperwork, a lot of paper filing. So you just, you know, uh, it, it comes with the territory and you just have to be prepared for all that additional overhead. And, you know, who said life was simple? But the problem is uh, a lot of farmers, when I was a kid growing up, uh, they they never made any money. They made their money after they retired and sold the farm. And a lot of times they passed it on. If they didn't pass it on, uh, they sold it. And, uh, you know, a lot of kids these days don't want to stay on the farm. So a lot of people end up selling the farm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I just wanted to uh, have you talk a little bit about that because I think it's uh, it's uh, an important thing to to know. Oh yeah, people. yeah. I have a lot of uncles and relatives down in the Red Lodge area that uh, you know uh, got caught up in what you know your question was was asking for. Okay. Okay, thank Catherine, you. Thank, thank you for, you your, for the right. question. You right. got, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Kevin's going to be on with us in just a minute. We'll take a quick break. Come right back. 721-1290 is our number. Lots of phone lines are open. If you have a question for Walt Kiro, our resident CPA from Kiro Byington and Associates, why don't you give us a call at 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309 or use the KGBO app. I know Nick would be more than happy to pass that along to, to Walt. We'll be back in a moment. Visit... Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended, your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested? That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information, or instant payment email or text you pictures or documents or use a real government official's name to gain your trust social security does not accept payments by gift card prepaid debit card internet currency or by mailing cash criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace do not be fooled hang up ignore them report this criminal activity to the social security administration office of the inspector general at oig.ssa.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Okay, we're back on Talkback. And uh, Walt Kira, our guest, our resident CPA from uh, Kira Byington and Associates. Let's get Kevin on the line. Hi, Kevin. What's up? Hi, Kevin. Oh, I just had a question. You said that the will has to be related to the uh, um, living trust. once a trust is established after the person with the will, doesn't the trust supersede the will? It, it kind of, it complements the will. In, in my case, my wife and I just did our this estate planning with uh, with a trust. The attorney uh, drafted a simple will. It's like one page. It addresses some things that needed to be done. I just did it because that's what the attorney recommended. And yeah, it's. You say, uh, does it, it, it doesn't supersede. I think they complement each other. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, you ha- you'll have to I ask thought, an attorney yeah. about that because I'm not, that, that's out of my wheelhouse. But it's a good question. Yeah, I was just curious because uh, you're dealing with relatives when I get a trust done. Uh, 
the will basically states, if somebody wants to write it this way, that all prop, all personal properties become property of the trust. Yeah, was, well, yeah, you can write it that way, um, uh, but uh, usually uh, uh, personal property like stuff, you make a list and you designate who you want to get that. That's uh, that's what should be done uh, in terms of what you're talking about. If it, if it's if it's done carte blanche through the trust, yeah, you can do that. But it, uh, I think it becomes more difficult to handle that way, especially if, because you're going to introduce that to the trustee. Well, when you say difficult to handle, you're in reference to the management of the trust. Uh, yeah, because you see, um, if if the will dictates that you want that personal property, let's say it's a gun collection, and you want to split that up amongst two or three relatives or beneficiaries, you can just designate that in the will and just have it be done through the will. But if it's going to be part of the trust, then the trustee has to marshal those assets and then either distribute them or hold them for the benefit of those beneficiaries until the time certain. Oh, okay. Kind of the same thing. Just it's the same thing, part. but you're just introducing, you know, it's kind of like medical. You know, I go to the doctor and then all of a sudden, oh, I don't pay the doctor. Uh, the, the doctor bills the insurance company. And so the insurance company becomes that, quote unquote, trustee. And then you just introduce another party to the to the deal. And then the insurance company sends the payment to the wrong bank. Yeah, yeah. And then there's co-pays and deductibles and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's an extreme example. Okay, but. that sounds fine. Okay. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right, uh, we've got Becky on the line. Hi, Becky. Hello, Walt. So Hi. my question is, if I sell a piece of property and buy another piece of property with a 1031, um, am I going to have my Social Security payment cut in half again? Oh, well, there's a couple of ways Social Security can be involved. Um, if you do a 1031 and uh, it qualifies, and it, I, I'm just going to uh, uh, pounce on a word you that you mentioned. I want to explain what a, what a 1031 is. Exchange, okay. right? 1031 is a trade. In right. other words, you exchange your property for another property. Nowadays, you, <laughs> we were just talking about go between people. In current day, you have to use an intermediary to perform the 1031. On the property you sell, you never receive the money. The money goes into the intermediary's bank account or pocket. <laughs> and then the intermediary buys the replacement property. Then, okay, so how does this mess with Social Security? Uh, because you're not going to have a, a recognizable gain, let's just say you, you meet all the, the qualifications for the 1031, you trade up and you don't reduce your debt on the property you're leaving and going into uh, because those are uh, what, what they call boot and boot's taxable. Let's just say we have a non-taxable 1031 tax-deferred exchange. Because it's not recognized, Social Security is not affected, uh, and first, capital gains aren't used in, uh, 
in dinging your Social Security payment for the the rule for people between 62 and regular retirement age. So that's not an issue there. But what can happen is if you have a lot of income in a given year, your Medicare Part B premium that they withhold from your Social Security payment can go up to from $100 a month to $400 a month. And that is is a big hurt on some people. But in a 1031 exchange, most of that gets avoided, if not all. Okay. Does that make sense, Becky? Yes, yes. Yeah. um, What what were the names of the requirements? I'm going to write that down. You said there were certain requirements that you had to meet. Oh, okay. On a 1031 exchange... Uh, the, uh, the key word is boot. And so if you receive okay. boot, boot is taxable in a 1031 exchange. So, for example, you take parcel A and parcel B, you swap A for B, but then you get 10000 in cash out of it. That's boot. That's taxable. Uh, okay. But okay. only the boot is taxable. Two other forms of boot is if there's a, a debt on property A and a debt on B, and if you go down in debt from A to B, that's considered boot. Yeah, sneaky, right? But the IRS will nail you on it. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, oh, oh, the other boot is as if property B, the replacement property, is less valuable than property A. So, in other words, you're trading (laughs) down. And if you trade down, that's boot and that's taxable. Oh, interesting. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's it's right, a can I'm... of worms. <laughs> well, I hope my people know what to do. <laughs> oh, right, well, uh, the bit, you know, if if they don't talk to the intermediary, the, the they're supposed to know. Okay. And and, uh-huh. and it gets really crazy in there. And and for example, Larry was talking about a second home, second house that he had. And let's just say it's recreational property. Because it's personal use, you cannot 1031 exchange that. You can exchange rental property or investment property. Investment property can be just a big piece of bare ground that you're just sitting on Mm -hmm. as an investment. Those items will qualify for tax-deferred exchanges. But uh, anything that's a personal use asset does not qualify. Okay. Okay. Wow, thank you. You bet. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Becky. You bet. 721-1290 is our number. We're up against our, our final break, and we still have about, oh, six and a half minutes of, uh, of advice time from Walt Kiro. If you have a, a, a tax question, give us a call. He did some really good questions today. So we're going to yes. come right back. 721-1290 uh, is our number. We'll uh, be back with Walt in one minute. Hey, we are back. This is Talkback. And only a few precious minutes remaining with Walt Kira. About five minutes. If you have a tax question, get on the phone right now. That's why he's here uh, to answer your tax questions. 721-1290 is the number. Or you can use the KGVO app. All right, Nick, we have a, an app question. Uh, yeah, a caller question. Uh, Betty called from Idaho, and she said, how much money can a senior on Social Security earn above the Social Security before they would have to file? Oh, we know Betty. Betty's, Betty's a very nice lady. Yeah. Anyway, if you're single, you can earn up to th- just under 14000 in non-Social Security income 
before you have to file. Okay. Now, there's a second element to that that gets uh-huh. complicated because your Social Security becomes taxable once you're income gets above 25,000 so it kind of piles on but in terms of her question has to do with filing and so there's a different set of rules and requirements for filing versus what you got to pay tax on so for her if she's single it's uh 13,850 and if you're married filing joint is 277 mm. so but in Montana's different filing requirements so it just depends on facts and circumstances. You so, got it. All right. So we have about uh, about uh, three minutes left in our time together. And so uh, anything else on your stack of oh. stuff you want to talk about before we let you go here? Oh, yeah. Uh, interest rates uh, for individuals uh, in the second quarter of this year, 2024, they're going to remain at 8% for over and under payments. So they'll, if, if they have to pay you interest, they'll pay 8%. That's not a bad rate. Corporations, on the other hand, will receive a 5.5% rate of return on an overpayment of more than $10,000. But here's where corporations get beat on, is, is that corporations will pay 8% on underpayments, and they only get 5.5% on the other side. And if they're a large corporation, they get hit with a 10% interest rate. Ouch. So, you know, uh, that's just an example. But all throughout the tax code, corporations are picked on. And I don't care, you know, where you come from. The numbers speak for the facts. So, uh, you know, even though a corporation doesn't exist and it's a non-physical person, it's, it's a person in the eyes of the law, and, you know, it pays taxes. And depending upon how many lawyers and accountants you have yeah. working for you, the less money you might have to pay, right? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> at corporations least, at least are in taxes. like individuals. There's yeah. good ones and bad ones, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. There's also, oh, farmers and fishermen. If you're a, a full-fledged farmer or a full-fledged fisherman, you can file and pay your taxes on March 1st and not have to make estimated tax payments. Wow. You, you have to pay then, right. but you... You can avoid all this estimated tax stuff. All right. Okay. That's, so, you know. so, so now, now someone, someone mentioned today that uh, they take all of their quarterly taxes, put them all in one check, and just send it all in at once. Is that, is that allowed? Oh, sure. Sure. Okay. In fact, I have some seasoned citizen taxpayers who, for whatever reason, it's easier. I, I, I tell Kathleen. Let's just do one payment. We'll do it in April, and we're done. That rather, way you, rather than remembering, you know, <sighs> April, June, September, yeah. January, all that stuff. Yeah, some people are good in their discipline. They can do it, and you be one of them. And then there's others who, oh, you know, they, they miss it, and they beat up on themselves right, for right. being late or missing them. So, uh, and, of course, it, it, you have to have the cash in hand to do that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if you've got the cash in hand, hey, why not? If, if you're not going to be either uh, penalized or a benefit from it, uh, and it just eliminates the, the whole, like, as you mentioned, the whole worry syndrome. Did I miss it? Did I not? Da, 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 da. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, people worry about it four times a year because there's exactly. four payments. Okay. So uh, we got about a minute left. How do we contact Walt? Okay. Contact me at uh, Walt Carroll at kbcpas.net. That's my email. And you can reach me at kbcpas.net, which is our website. 
And we'll go from there. Oh, we're downtown. Downtown, downtown, 269 right. West Front in Missoula. Uh, and uh, phone numbers, 406-549-2288. And you have a v- exceptionally helpful staff, by the yes. way. Yeah, nice people there. Oh, yeah. All right. Hey, Walt, thank you. Always thank a pleasure. You. Thank you. All right. And we'll do it again in a couple of weeks. And, Nick, what have we got coming up on tomorrow's fabulous radio program? From 810 to 830, we rescheduled Senator Steve Dane. So he- so he'll be taking uh, questions from you guys yeah. uh, during that 20 minutes. And then we'll do open phones for an hour. And then from 9.30 to 10, we'll talk with Dr. Melanie Scott from Community Medical Center about colonoscopy. All right. So there you go. <laughs> Something to look forward to. <laughs> all right. And thanks again, Walt, and all of our callers. Have yourselves a great day. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 6.30.